Christmas will be here before you know it. So now is the time to prepare your heart with a timeless devotional written by Dr. David Jeremiah called Season of Joy. Enter the Christmas season with restored hope, resounding joy, reassuring peace, and renewed faith. This inspirational book is yours for a gift of any amount in support of Turning Point. And for a gift of $100 or more, you'll receive a four-pack to share the season of joy with others. Learn more at davidjeremiah.ca. That's davidjeremiah.ca. No matter your age, you can probably recall the school teachers who impacted your life. But none can hold a candle to the greatest teacher. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah continues his series, The Jesus You May Not Know, and considers what it means when a teacher also claims to be the truth. To share today's message, is he the teacher of truth or the truth to be taught? Here's David. And thank you for joining us today. Today we conclude the week with part one of this message. Is Jesus the teacher of truth or is he the truth to be taught? And we'll get started with that in just a few moments. Uh, To remind you of the resources of this series is my responsibility because when we put something on the air, it usually kind of, um, well, it triggers something in our lives. Maybe we say something, but I wish I knew more about that. I wish I had more answers to those questions. It's always our privilege to have a resource package available to go along with what we teach on the air. And uh, this month is no exception. We have a full-length major book that I've written called The Jesus You May Not Know, a beautiful 140-page study guide that goes with it to help uh, you interact with the material and more information for you to look up. And then we have a CD package that has everything I'm teaching on the radio chronicled for you, reserved for you, prepared for you, recorded for you, so that you have everything you need for an an in-depth personal study or to be a facilitator of a small group, which I hope many of you will do. Also, uh, men and women, during this month, this final month of 2023, we try to prepare ourselves for the new year. Part of that preparation is the production of a beautiful study uh, opportunity in our devotional guide. This year called Walking with Jesus, here is a leather-covered devotional with 366 devotionals for the new year. That's right, this year coming up is a leap year. We have one for the 29th of February. We want you to have a devotional every day. This will help you get started in your walk with the Lord. That's why we've called this Walking with Jesus. Ask for your copy of this beautiful devotional when you send your December gift to Turning Point today. Here is part one of Is He the Teacher of Truth or the Truth to be Taught? Wes Stafford was speaking at an educators conference in Nairobi, Kenya, when he was impressed by the dedication of the approximately 400 teachers who had come to this mission compound for this special moment. Near the end of his talk, he asked the group if anyone had a story to share. A young man in the third row stood up and he said he was still in his first year of teaching and he loved it. And then he told the group why he had chosen the field of education. He recalled how his first days as a schoolboy had been painful because he suffered from stuttering in a terrible way. He felt embarrassed and alone, and he could hardly wait for each day to end so he could go home. But his teacher, 
noticing his struggle, approached him and praised his work, and she wrote encouraging notes on his papers and gave him some of the only hugs that he'd ever received in his whole life. And it was at that moment he decided he wanted to be a teacher, all the way back in the first grade because of a wise and loving teacher. Staffer asked him, did you ever tell her of her impact on your life? He said, no, I never really did. Do you think she even knows, said Stafford. The young man said, well, sir, she does now. There was a hush in the crowd as the young man collected himself. Turning, he pointed across the crowded room and continued, because she's sitting right over there. The teachers gasped and turned to see where this man was pointing. There sat an aged, gray-haired woman with glistening eyes who, amid tremendous applause, stood quietly to her feet. I love Wes Stafford. Here's what he said about that. He said, I can't prove it, but I could swear violins were playing as the two of them made their way to the center aisle and met in a warm, lingering, and overdue embrace. Teachers change lives. And the lives of millions of people have been changed by a teacher they met in grade school or high school or college or Sunday school. Good teachers leave a deep imprint. And the American author Philip Wiley said, one good teacher in a lifetime can sometimes change a delinquent into a solid citizen. I'm sure all of you can think back over your lives and remember one or maybe two particular teachers. The teacher who really made the first impact on my life, she entered my life 70 years ago. I was in the first grade. And believe it or not, after 70 years, I remember her name. Her name was Miss Gadell. She taught in the school that I went to when my father was a pastor in Toledo, Ohio. She encouraged me and helped me. I felt so out of place for some reason, like we all do. School's a pretty rough place to be if you're there for the first time. She made an impact on my life, and I'm sure you can remember somebody like that as well. And America is full of godly professors and teachers. I believe teachers share a noble profession and I believe that because if you're a teacher, you have chosen the same vocational opportunity as the Lord Jesus Christ. He was the master teacher. He was often addressed not as Jesus or Lord, but his title of teacher. In Matthew 8:19, a scribe came to Jesus saying, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. The rich young ruler addressed Jesus and said to him, Good teacher, what thing shall I do that I might have eternal life? Once the disciples were caught in a storm and they awoke Jesus saying, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? James and John came to Jesus one time and said, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Nicodemus came to Jesus by night and he said to him, Rabbi or teacher, we know that you're a teacher come from God. Now, if you were to take a concordance, especially an unabridged concordance, and look up the word teacher or rabbi, you'd be surprised. Jesus is called teacher or rabbi more than 45 times in the New Testament. Jesus is called teacher by the first person following the resurrection. Remember that story? Mary Magdalene was standing by the tomb weeping when she turned around and she saw Jesus. 
And at first she thought he was the gardener, but then it came to her like a rush. It was Jesus. In John 20, 16, she turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say, teacher. Jesus also spoke of himself in this way. In John 13, 13, he told his disciples, you call me teacher and Lord, and you say well, for so I am. Just as he is king of kings and lord of lords, he is also teacher of teachers. He's the supreme educator of the ages. Sometimes he taught two or three people at once, sometimes just one. Other times he spoke to thousands without the amplification or electronic projection. And even now, he is our teacher, and he speaks to us across the ages, does he not? Through his words, which find a foundation in our minds and in our hearts. Dr. J. Oswald Sanders pointed out that the teachings of Jesus were simple and vital and ethical and practical and original and psychologically correct and absolutely true. Indeed, true in every way. We know his teachings are true because he himself is the truth. So before we look at the nature of his teachings, let's look at what it means for Jesus to be the very definition of truth. Jesus is the truth. He is both God and man. As God, he is the source of the truth. As man, he's the personification of the truth. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He didn't simply say, I will show you the way, I will tell you the truth, I will provide you life. He boldly declared he was those things. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. He was the very embodiment of those things. This is a major theme in John's gospel. As you study the fourth gospel, which is one of my favorites in the Bible, you can't help noticing how the subject of truth just keeps coming up again and again. John begins in chapter 1 telling us that Jesus Christ was the true light and that he came to us from the Father full of grace and truth and referred to himself as the true bread from heaven. Perhaps John's interest in emphasizing the nature of his Absolute integrity was prompted by something John heard when Jesus was on trial. You remember in this public exchange, Jesus told Governor Pontius Pilate, everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And Pilate snarled back at him with this question, what is truth? You can see the smirk on his face. That is the cynical cry of relativism today. Humanism and secularism, Pilate's question has overtaken our age. And most modern thinkers, they reject the existence of ultimate truth or absolute values. Os Guinness points out in his book, Impossible People, that today's radical form of philosophy claims that all human knowledge is socially constructed and nothing more. In other words, we invent truth. We make up knowledge. It has no objective, absolute source. That's what's being taught. And that is what you hear if you enroll in many of today's university classes in philosophy, history, biology, or any other subject. When you send your children to a secular school, you best let them know they're going to hear this, and they best be ready to respond to it. 
The sneer of Pilate is echoing in the halls of our colleges, across our screens, through the pages of our textbooks. And the world tells us there are no eternal foundations. There's no truth. I have truth, you have truth. If you let me have my truth, I'll let you have your truth, even though they may be totally contradictory to each other. So we don't believe in laws. We don't believe in standards. We believe in whatever we create. This has a profound impact on everything that happens in our own lives and in the culture in which we live. So here's the deal. We think that we have truth at our disposal, that we can make our own truth. Randy Alcorn reminds us that truth isn't about our own perceptions or desires. It's always about reality with a capital R. A majority of us could get together and agree that we'd like gravity to be suspended tomorrow, but our vote would have no impact on reality. You and I can discover truth, but we cannot create truth. What's true is true, and what's not is not for all of us all the time. Our culture views truth as something inside of us, subject to revision according to our growth and enlightenment. Scripture views truth as something outside of us, which we can believe or not, but never, ever change. I do not have the authority to change the meaning of the Bible. My job is to find out what the Bible really means, what it really says, and then help us all understand what that means to us. Count me among those who will stand and shout that Jesus is the truth, that Jesus is the author of truth. Jesus is the communication of truth. Without this core axiom, there's nothing on which to build one's life. That's why there's so much chaos and confusion in our world today. Everybody's inventing their own set of truth. There's nothing but the kind of despair that eventually overwhelmed Pilate who's gone down in history as one of the greatest fools who ever lived. He stood face to face with the truth himself and rejected him. He had the truth standing in front of him, and he asked the truth, what is truth? He could have accepted Jesus. So can you. Think of what this means. If Jesus Christ is the incarnation of truth, we can have a personal relationship with the incarnation of the truth. We can not only know Jesus, we can know truth. The truth is absolute, it's objective, but it's also personal and knowable. That's why Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Because this truth is a person, you can know him, and because he is Jesus, he can set you free. Nothing more liberating than the truth, no matter how hard it is. How many times I thought about this during my bout with cancer, when I would take a test on a Monday and be told that I couldn't get the answer back for 10 days. And all during that time, I would say to myself, whatever it is, is immaterial. I just want to know what it is. I want the truth. And today in our culture, the greatest need we have is for truth, for honest reporting, for honest speaking, for honest living. The Bible says there's one who can give us that truth, that way, that life, and that one is Jesus Christ. You will never have a true moment of truth until you meet the truth himself, the Lord Jesus Christ. 
So, Jesus, the truth. The question is, is he the teacher of the truth or is he the truth itself? He is the truth itself. But he's also the teacher of truth. Oh, what we can learn about Jesus as we study his teaching. Jesus, the truth, and Jesus, the teacher. At St. Francis High School in Lump, Canada, California, math teacher Jim O'Connor is known for his tough, no-nonsense approaching to algebra, pushing his students, all of them boys, into shape. O'Connor is a Vietnam vet. He told CBS, it drives me crazy when people say school should be fun. I mean, it's nice if it could be, but you can't make school fun. Pat McGoldrick, a senior at St. Francis, says it this way. Till people get used to him, they think he's really mean. But all that changed for Pat one day when he and his classmates visited Los Angeles Children's Hospital to recruit blood donors for a blood drive they were organizing. When the boys mentioned where they went to school, they were immediately met with awe. The hospital staff said things like, oh, so you must know Jim O'Connor. Isn't he wonderful? And the boys were stunned. They didn't think he was all that wonderful. They thought he was mean. As if they were being honest and a little confused about the man they thought they knew, that confusion was cleared up when they saw a plaque in the hospital for all-time donors, and at the top of the list was Jim O'Connor, a universal blood donor, type O negative. O'Connor has donated 72 gallons of blood and platelets since 1989, surely saving countless lives along the way. But there was more. The boys learned that day that Jim O'Connor, who never married or had children of his own, volunteers three days a week holding and rocking sick and dying babies when their parents can't be there. O'Connor says of the babies, I don't want to see them alone. I can't do that. O'Connor's students were blown away. I mean, I've always respected him, said Pat, but now it's to an even different degree. Now I not only respect him, I want to be like him. The most effective teachers in life are those who model the truth that they teach and challenge their students to grow beyond what they think are their possibilities. And that was true of Jesus, was it not? He influenced his disciples not only by what he said, but by how he lived and by the curriculum he taught. He had a vision of what disciples could be, and he gave his life to teaching them what would that look like in you. We don't have time to unpack all the essentials of his message. I want to share with you just three ways that Jesus' teaching not only affected those who heard it when he walked on this earth, but how it affects us today as well as followers of Jesus. First of all, when Jesus taught, his teaching challenged people, and his teaching will challenge you. The Jesus you may not know was a teacher who constantly challenged people. He challenged their priorities, their potential, their possibilities. For example, Jesus challenged the rich young ruler's priorities. Remember what he said to him? He said, go and sell everything you have and then come back and follow me. Well, he didn't really care whether the man sold everything he had or not. Here's what the problem was. This man didn't have his wealth. His wealth had him. And Jesus wanted to find out if he was willing to walk away from that in order to put Jesus first in his life. Jesus also sent out his disciples to accomplish things that seemed beyond their potential. 
Things like feeding 5,000 people, healing the sick, and most of all, casting out demons. And remember, they failed. They came back and they said, Lord, what do we do now? It didn't work. And it was a teaching moment for Jesus and his young men. And when Jesus gave the Great Commission, it was physically impossible for them to complete it. But he used it to expand the vision and get them started planting churches around the world. And we're still following that teaching and still feeling the impossibility of it all. But because of the teaching of Jesus, we continue to take the gospel to the whole world. Perhaps the most challenging part of the teaching of Jesus, and the most famous, by the way, is found in Matthew 5 through 7. This is what we know as the Sermon on the Mount. These chapters prove that Jesus was more than a carpenter, more than a preacher, and more than a mere man. From his first word, he spoke as if he were the author and interpreter of Scripture. His words and their tone amazed the crowds as they astound us today. And in the Sermon of the Mount, we have a set of ethics that has never been bettered, a set of images that have never been forgotten, and a set of instructions so relevant and challenging for us today as if they were written just for us. There are 107 verses in the Sermon on the Mount. And here we have, now listen to this, in the Sermon on the Mount, we have this, the Beatitudes, the Lord's Prayer, the Golden Rule, the City on a Hill, the Salt of the Earth, the Narrow Gate, and the Wise Man who Built His House Upon a Rock. Here in this sermon, we discover the eternal dimensions of morality and spirituality, and we discover how to deal with anger and lust and divorce and retaliation and anxiety and oaths and hypocrisy. All of those are taught in the Sermon on the Mount, and we know what to do when we read them. In Matthew 5 through 7, we have the greatest advice ever given in the greatest sermon ever preached by the greatest man who ever lived. The Sermon on the Mount provides evidence for the truthfulness of Christ in Christianity. For if Jesus were any less than he claimed, his message would have been less than it was. How otherwise do we explain that here we are over 2,000 years later talking about a sermon that was preached by a man outside on a mountain to a group of people who don't have anything to do with us or our culture today. That sermon is still the greatest sermon from the greatest preacher who ever lived. And it is also regarded as one of the most famous speeches in world history and the greatest message on practical ethics and moral psychology that has ever been delivered by anyone. The secularists say that, not religious people. This great sermon, which was preached in Matthew 5 through 7, was only the beginning of our Lord's instructional ministry. But for the sake of time, let me just give you a few little tidbits of what he said just in the verses. This is some of what Jesus taught in his great sermon. Matthew five sixteen. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Matthew five forty four. Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you. Matthew 6, 6. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. 
Matthew 6.20, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Matthew 6.25, do not worry about your life. Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Matthew 6.34, do not worry about tomorrow. Jesus said that in his great sermon. And Matthew 7.12, therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Amen. Amen. Well, we've had a great week studying the Savior. We're preparing our hearts in many respects for the celebration of his birthday, which is coming up in just a few days. Do you know Jesus? Do you really know him? I know you know about him. You can't live in this world today and not know about him. But do you know him personally? That's the issue. And you come to know him personally by inviting him to come and live within your life. You can do that today, wherever you are. And friends, don't miss the opportunity to get your copy of the devotional for the new year. This beautiful leather-covered devotional has a white leather binding, beautiful blue. It has uh, gold embossed letters. The title of the devotional this year is Walking with Jesus. There's a devotional here for every day of the new year. You don't want to miss the opportunity to get this. Send your December gift to Turning Point and ask for it, and we'll have it on its way to you before you know it. Thanks for being partners with us. Have a great day and a great weekend. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's series, The Jesus You May Not Know, please visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected, our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's new 365-day devotional for 2024, Walking with Jesus. It's sure to inspire you through the year ahead, and it's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions with notes and articles from Dr. Jeremiah's decades of study. Get all the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us Monday as we continue The Jesus You May Not Know on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Do you believe Jesus is with you in every moment? One of the best ways to instill this truth is by spending time in reflection and prayer. Dr. David Jeremiah makes this easy with his new 365-day devotional called Walking with Jesus. This exclusive book is available for a gift of any amount in support of Turning Point. And for a donation of $120 or more, you'll receive the devotional four-pack, perfect for gifting. Learn more when you visit davidjeremiah.ca. If you've enjoyed today's program with Dr. David Jeremiah, you might be interested in hearing it again at your convenience. Stay connected to Turning Point by visiting our website at davidjeremiah.ca or by downloading our free Canadian mobile app. The app can be found by searching for Turning Point Canada on your smart device app store. Create an account and order digital resources from today's program with easy one-click checkout at davidjeremiah.ca. If you've sung many Christmas carols in your life, you've no doubt sung these familiar words. O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. The Christmas cart images of Bethlehem are well known. 
a quiet village a few miles from Jerusalem, its stone roofs silhouetted against a blue-black sky, punctuated by the pinpricks of millions of bright stars. Such quietness gave no indication of the world-changing event happening in one of Bethlehem's side streets. Bethlehem, which means house of bread in Hebrew, was birthing the one who himself would be called the bread of life. May you be filled by the bread of life this Christmas. This is David Jeremiah, and that is the Christmas story on Route 66. Driving the word home this Christmas on Route 66. Log on to Route66life.com and start your journey home today.